Hey guys, you're listening to the Turning Point Podcast, where we talk about life lessons and how turning points can shape our journey. In this episode, I speak with Amy Sipkins. She describes herself as someone who has an engineer's brain and a poet's heart. She is a space systems engineer turned entrepreneur, business coach, and personal development expert. In this episode, she talks about finding her way in entrepreneurship, being a life coach, and taking the leap that changed her career. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please remember to go to iTunes, leave a rating and a review. It would be much appreciated. Or if you want to share the link with someone, whether it is Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play, you can do so. Or even turningpointpodcast.com if they want to learn about my story and the podcast as well. If you want to contribute, you may do so by going to patreon.com slash turningpointpodcast. I have different tiers and depending on what you contribute, you get exclusive content and you may also get the list of the upcoming guests to ask your own questions as well. So now let's kick off that episode. This is episode 14, Embracing Innovation. Hi, Amy, and thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I like to kick off the episode by giving just like a snapshot of your background, just going a little bit um, covering your journey and, you know, where you started and kind of where you at now. Yeah, so my story, it's pretty wide ranging. I, I've done a lot of stuff. I, um, But that's not how I started out. I thought I was a one track person. Um, when I was 12, I wanted to be an astronaut and I decided that the best way to get there was to um, major in aerospace engineering, become an an engineer and go into the design and development of spacecraft. And I thought at the age of 12, I was, I was pretty much done. Like I had it, I knew what the rest of my life was going to be like, um, uh, because I knew what my career path was. I knew the steps it was going to take to get there and boom. I mean, what else is there to say? Exactly. Um, <laughs> so end of story. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, But a, a lot so, of kids, I feel, uh, think that, right? Like they, from a little kid, they know what they want to do. Yeah. And I mean, I, th I think maybe it's the way, you know, I'm a parent to three kids. Like, is it the way that we talk to kids and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you just ask it over and over. Like, and then like, you know, two years later, what do you want to be now when you grow up? And let's check in. And like, like we have to pick something. When we're yeah. like, not, and not when you're choosing your major in college, this is like, you have to pick something when you're like seven, you know? <laughs> and so. No, you're right. Um, a lot of parents do that. And it's like, it's like this pressure on the kid, but the kid is just a kid, right? They're just thinking about playing video games and being with their friends. They're not really thinking about this. Like in high school. Yeah. There's like a different kind of pressure, but as a kid. Yeah. I can understand that. So anyway, I, I did that, like did what I said I was going to do. And I, um, I had two degrees in astronautical engineering. I learned how to design spacecraft. And then I did that work for 10 years for a large aerospace contractor. And um, I worked on some operational missions, um, flying robotic scientific exploration spacecraft here from the ground. Uh, the last mission that I worked on was Juno, which is currently orbiting Jupiter. So if you see like on social media, if you see any of those really super cool new pictures of Jupiter that are coming back with like odd angles, all those are from my spacecraft Juno. And I'm so oh, proud amazing. of it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, and so, yeah, you would think like, oh, that's amazing. And like, 
you're living the dream. And I was, I did live the dream. And I got to a point in my career where I was looking sort of for the next step. Like um, I had, a, I had checked a whole bunch of stuff off my list. I had actually gone to Houston, worked with the astronaut corps and like the application cycle, the first application cycle I was eligible for opened up while I was there in Houston. And I, I opened it and, and having, worked with astronauts and kind of seen their day to day. And like, at the time I was also doing the work that I was doing was intensely creative and impactful, you know, doing design integration work of the next manned spacecraft. That was really, really awesome. And I sort of made the decision at that point that like, Hey, I don't really want to fly spacecraft. I would rather, I would rather do something more creative. And mm -hmm. that just, that decision was like the first break from the plan, you know, cause the plan had always been to be like, I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to fly in space. Like, and that is the end of the story. And we fly off into the sunset. But that was the first break with the plan where I said, Hey, actually, I don't actually want to be an astronaut, even though flying in space would be super cool for as a career, as my day to day, nine to five job, I would rather be doing something that is more creative, is more in the design world, and I really like actually what I'm doing. And so I continued on in engineering for a couple of years after that, but, and started to look for, okay, well, if I'm not on this astronaut path, if I'm not on this operational path, what is my path? And, you know, mm -hmm. what is my new goal? Where am I headed toward? Am I climbing the corporate ladder? Am I looking to go into management, executive management? Like, am I going to run the place someday? And as I started looking down these paths, I was like, I don't really want to do any of those jobs <laughs> that are, you know, that are in my like line of promote potential promotion. Exactly. And I started getting frustrated looking for jobs within the corporate construct that really were going to utilize my gifts and that where I felt really appreciated, like for who I was, not just like, oh, well, we have this task that needs to be completed and you could probably do this task. So we'll just put you right in that. We'll fill that slot with you. I didn't, it's hard to be a slot filler. Like that didn't feel, feel super fulfilling to me. Um, and so simultaneous to that, it was perfect storm. Um, I got the entrepreneurship bug. I just happened across like Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income. And I just devoured all of the information that I could. And I read, well, it started with Seth Godin, who like always talks about like, you know, not being just a factory worker and like, you know, you can be more than that. And I got into Pat Flynn. I read the four hour work week and like it started this snowball effect of, wow, people actually do this. People actually can take their expertise and sell it and people will pay for it and they can create their uh, their own life that is not within this very rigid traditional corporate construct and at the time that was super compelling because i had just had two kids and you know we're looking at kind of okay where are we headed now with kids and like we have always wanted to travel we've always traveled and now we want to travel with kids and what does that look like in our future life and what is this next phase of my life actually going to look like mm -hmm. when it comes to work, when it comes to impact, when it comes to family and all of these pieces seem to be in flux all at once. 
And so this perfect storm of I don't really see anything I like over here in corporate and I don't re and I really like the look of being my own boss. I made the leap away. I started to think about what I could do as my own business and I made the leap out of corporate and into entrepreneurship. Um, that was its own journey. I, I failed pretty fast through several business ideas, um, mostly just doing market research and saying, no, so, or I can't charge what I'm worth or, you know, but it, there was definitely this exploration phase before I realized that I was actually really great at walking people through complex problems. And mm -hmm. as I thought about it, when I left engineering, I had this big uh, identity crisis. If I'm not an engineer, what am I? And I came back around to, well, gosh, as an engineer, I, I helped solve complex problems. And, and now what I really want to be doing is helping people walk through complex problems and solve them or work them or come up with creative ideas. And I started out life coaching, kind of just general life coaching. But the as after just a few clients, I realized that the biggest impact I was having and the best fit for clients was people who wanted to do what I had done and start their own businesses. So I framed it. So question, it. not to like cut you off. I'm curious. So did you, did you build a life coach business or was it more like people around you that you knew that you started off with that? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, it was like, um, let's see. It was a little bit rapid fire. I, I, I did build a, a life coaching business. At the time I transitioned over to like business strategy, coaching and consulting, it wasn't like a full fledged, I've re totally replaced my income and I have this steady pipeline of clients and I have a million people on my email list. Like it wasn't, I hadn't gotten to that level yet. Okay. It was more like I went through this rapid evolution of who I was and what did I, what I wanted to offer. Because like I said, I was going, I was simultaneously going through this huge identity crisis. Mm -hmm. And when you're setting up a purse, a business that revolves around a personal brand, like when you're a coach or consultant, having an identity crisis in the middle of that is really <laughs> tricky <laughs> because you're all of your copy, you're trying to sell yourself. And if you don't know who yourself is, it's tough. Yeah. And so there was, it was very rapid, very rapid evolution, very, and I was working with my own coaches and I was very rapidly expanding into my new self. And so, yes, I had built a, a life coaching business of um, a good handful or two of clients and um, was starting to like produce some stuff, produce some like product content and just and then it kind of evolved naturally and part of that if i'm not an engineer who am i question was that i could see patterns i could see patterns in engineering that were reflected also in business development because engineering is just technology development or product development and business development is just a, it's a, a different kind of development and personal development is also just a different kind of development. And so we're using the same kinds of principles to solve problems, to innovate new solutions, to um, bring ideas from the ether into reality. Like that happens in engineering. It happens in business. It happens in this like personal development stuff that I was majorly working towards myself 
Mm-hmm. And so it, I was seeing all the parallels for how we do it. How we build a spacecraft is exactly the same approach we take to build a business. And so that was, and it's exact same approach that I helped clients take to work on themselves in a life coaching scenario. So there were all these parallels. So my, my approach is the same across domains. It just, it's just solving a different kind of system, basically you know you're sharing this and and I feel like it's like partly my my story as well because I I'm very much of a creative I like music I like to play the guitar I'm very much of trying to create content and and just talking to people learning their stories and then you know having this podcast um but then at the same time I like what I do at day like you know every day my job is just to be part of a tech company and and work complex problems and especially more in the cybersecurity area so I completely understand where you're coming from um with this you know with your whole journey and kind of how did you go through that uh you know exactly that that path of figuring out what what was next right and and if i'm not an engineer what does this mean am i creative am i an entrepreneur am i a life coach can i be all these things at once as well yeah so kind of the 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 next stage like act three of the story is that my crowning achievement as a business strategy coach has to this day been um, coaching my husband to leave his own corporate job and start a renewable energy consultancy. He was at the National Renewable Energy Lab and um, wanted to got, kind of saw, got bit by my entrepreneurship bug. Be careful. Yep. It's contagious. <laughs> um, and uh, so I and he basically he started doing some, you know, some contract work and he was like, I could really build this business. And then he said, I don't know how to build a business. And I was like, well, it, it just so happens I help people build businesses. So I think, I think we'll be okay there. <laughs> and uh, he basically said, you know, I, I need help. You know, I can't do this by myself. And I said, I, I went through another <laughs> big soul searching process. I think that's a big, big part of entrepreneurship is the, um, you know, the soul, the constant soul searching, who am I? What do I want? Where am I at? Do I need to go back around? You know, what is it? And, um, I basically said, yeah, I, I want to do this with you. I want, you know, I will come on to the company. I want the title CEO because I'm going to be doing like the execution work. And, um, he's very clearly a CTO, you know, he's got the tech, he's the kind of the brains of the innovation. And then I'm the, executor who makes it happen. And so um, I am the CEO of MuGrid Analytics, which is a renewable energy consultancy. And like I've used all of my, it's amazing how doing that work has brought every single skill I have ever learned in any domain together. And, you know, when I, when I jumped into coaching from aerospace engineering, a lot of people were like, what? But now sitting, sitting where I am, like, there is no way I could have jumped into owning my own renewable energy consulting firm with all of the ma- amazing engineering chops I had. I could not have done this if I had not spent five years building businesses, rapid fire, seeing other people's experiences and struggles, learning how to marketing, learning learning how to market, not you know learning to let go of the fear of sales you know, learning that emotional connection with people is the number one most important part of sales, not the widget you have to sell, but the emotional connection. And like all of that 
has come together along with my previous experience because, you know, renewable energy actually isn't that far off of aerospace, especially spacecraft, you know, spacecraft are the original microgrids. They're up in the sky. They, they have to have their own energy systems that are extremely reliable. If their power's not reliable, they're dead in the water and you can't do anything about that. So working in energy here on earth is a lot like working in space. You know, there's a lot of similar similarities, but I bring now this, this whole new perspective of what it takes to build a business and it's, you know, the school of hard knocks. It wasn't an MBA. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a top school. It was literally going out there and rapid fire, helping people build businesses and building my own businesses. And so now that's kind of what I have. I have, I still do some coaching. It's not like my primary thing, but because I have the renewable energy company, um, I get to pick and choose and I get to work with coaching clients that really, really speak to me. Um, I love speaking about innovation. I love speaking about the comparison between all those development domains, technical development, business development, personal development, and how they're parallel. So, and so I do that while I um, run this renewable energy company with my husband. So that's what I do now. Definitely, I feel like a little bit of a 360 there. I did, I did have a question I took note of at the... Early on in the conversation, you had mentioned Seth Godin, and um, not sure if you know, he has a book called The Dip, and it kind of, in a nutshell, kind of explains how, as an entrepreneur, you are super excited about an idea, and eventually you hit this dip, where maybe you're like stuck or struggling with something, so you don't know whether to like quit or keep going. Yeah. In in your experience, did did you ever feel like that when you were doing that transition into being kind of an entrepreneur, creative, having your own business? all of the above, did you ever feel like you hit that dip that he mentions in his book? <laughs> I would say, yeah. There, <laughs> well, I mean, I failed through several business ideas. And, you know, there's a question there inside of that of, was it just a dip? Like, if I had stuck with it, would I have come out on the other side and built an incredible, you know, million dollar business, you know, out of that idea? Maybe. But it was also, like I said, in the in the that time where I was really trying to find myself again and who this new entrepreneurial Amy was, because I'd never seen myself as entrepreneurial before. So and also the idea of letting something go was a foreign concept. Because remember, I had wanted to be an astronaut, be an engineer mm -hmm. for like I had done that path for twenty like 20 years. And so, and, and that was like my only path. And there was like, there was no quitting. There was no failing. There was no, there was like the failure is not an option. There was no going back. There was only push through all the time during that. And so the idea that I could have an idea, test it out, and then see that it wasn't going to work and that I didn't really want to do it and then let it go was revolutionary for me. Um, and, and so there was freedom and grace in that, in those early failures, in those early quitting. I don't even like to call them failures. It was a choice. You know, I, I think Gary Vee talks a lot about, you have to pick the thing that you want to talk about for the rest of your life. And while, yeah. 
I really like grass fed meat and I was, you know, I, I saw the problem because I was frustrated by the process buying meat myself. I wasn't passionate enough about it to make it my thing, the thing that I talked about. Uh, so to answer, but that doesn't really answer your question about the dip. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's in my personality to fight through things. Like I, like I said before, is to just, you know, push through where failure is not an option. So I've never really had a moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't think this is going to work. Um, there's definitely low moments. There's definitely slow moments. And I always remind myself, actually, my, my husband, who's my business partner in the renewable energy business, is pretty risk averse. And he is much more the personality that like, if someone hasn't called us in the last 36 hours about work, he's like, I think we're going out of business. And this was like, even if, even if like 48 hours prior, we were like crazy, like trying to get out, we had three reports to get out and we just delivered a whole bunch of work. Like, but no one's called us since we pressed the send button we're probably going out of business. And I'm like, I am, I'm the opposite, which makes us good, good business partners because I'm, balance. A, I'm an undying optimist and I'm like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. And he's always worried, but you know, I think we, we balance each other out and take care of business that way. Um, and so he sees the dip a lot more acutely than I do where I'm like, Hey, like, can we enjoy this? Because you know, we were working like we, we were burning the midnight oil last week, like pulling all nighters, trying to get all this work out for clients. And like we have actually have a break right now. Like I've gotten to the bottom of my to do list. How many times can you say you did that in corporate, you know, and I got actually see the bottom of my to do list and like I'm going to go take a nap. Like that feels pretty healthy to me that like there are times of surge and there are times of retreat. And yeah, so I, I don't know if that addresses, I didn't, I haven't read that book by Seth. I, I love his work. Um, I, I, and I had heard of that book, but I had not yet read it. I'm actually currently reading his, uh, this is marketing. That's the one that's on my bedside table. I haven't read that one. The dip is pretty, it's pretty good. Cause it's kind of, I don't, I'm not going to say it's a light read It's but it's just, it's a short book. Um, and it's good to read when maybe you're an entrepreneur, you're trying to build something, even if it's a side hustle and, and you're hitting that dip. I think it's a good book to kind of get you out of it. Um, for some people that might hit it, you know, some people don't. I feel like some people are just, you know, that one track mind. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And yeah, I'm going to have bad moments, but I'm not going to let this dip affect me. So um, as a life coach, I kind of want to pivot a little bit. Um, as a life coach, in your opinion, why do you think some people can stay on track to achieve goals and then some can't? They seem very, they both might seem very motivated at the beginning, but I feel like some might achieve that and then others kind of stop halfway. Oh, so this is a question with like so many layers of like depth to it. Goals and I have a very complicated relationship. Um, if the former me, would have answered this question. <laughs> the me, maybe the me who wasn't a life coach yet, or who, who thought they wanted to be a life coach, because I was going to tell them. Because honestly, you're so right that like when I, I said like, hey, I think I can be a coach. I can help people work through stuff. What was in my head was I'm going to help people achieve their goals because I'm good at achieving goals, and so I can help people, you know, 
you do the same processes that I have done. And in that former life, you know, a lot of the way that I did achieve my goals was sheer brute force, sheer force of will of just like putting my head down. And, and I think that method requires a certain pain tolerance because it is painful. It's, it's hard. I'm working, I'm working on a, uh, mindset shift right now to not say it's hard, but say it's challenging. Like, it, you know, cause it can be challenging means it can be solved and hard just means it's painful. But I in like that, that, but in that previous, but I, I'm saying like in that previous life, like it was straight up hard. Like even no matter how hard it was, I was just going to keep pushing. Even if the thing I was pushing against was a freaking brick wall. And that was effective for me in achieving the goals, but I am not entirely sure that it was the healthiest approach. You know, I think that what I've been doing lately in the new me and this new personal development work I've been working on myself is healing a lot of that, a lot of trauma that I put my own self through, like self-inflicted trauma of pushing so hard all the time. And, you know, there's physical fallout that comes from lack of sleep and there's emotional fallout that comes from not processing those emotions that go along with the dips, the ups and the downs, and just always driving forward. So, so, so why do some people succeed and why do some people stop halfway? in my new, with my new life coach hat through my new lenses. I think it might have to do with an intentionality around their vision. And so I don't use the word goals anymore. I don't like the word goals to me, you know, cause I've had a bad experience with SMART goals, you know, the acronym S-M-A-R-T. Are you familiar? They've heard of it. Yeah. So it's an acronym. So S is specific. M is measurable. A is achievable. That's R I was going to say accessible, but yeah, it's something re- <laughs> realistic and time bound. And so basically what that was is they were like, don't just set a goal. You know, don't, don't just say like, I'm going to be a successful entrepreneur. Say specifically successful entrepreneur means to me that I'm going to be making six figures and then you know, and, and it's measurable because it's got a number and it's got to be time bound. So it's going to be like within six months or within one year or something like that. Cause, and, oh, it's realistic. Oh, sure. Six figures is one in one year is realistic. And you really have no idea what realistic is when you you're walking a path you've never walked before. So that's okay. I'm already ranting. Uh, first of all, you don't know what realistic is because if you're really walking a path you've never walked before, you, it's it's you can't possibly say what realistic is. Second of all, the numbers that you picked, both the the both the you know I'm going to make six figures, and the time bound part, are arbitrary. Like you just picked those numbers because somebody told you to pick numbers. Like if you made. Um, 90,000 in the first year, like, was that a failure? I mean, your numbers say it was. And if you're, you know, if you made six figures, but you did it at 18 months, is that a failure? Well, your number, your time, you know, estimate said it was. And like, it's not really about that. And so 
I hate I hate that arbitrariness of of really like codifying your goals in numbers that you just picked because somebody said to pick a number. Now there yeah. there are exceptions to that rule when it's not arbitrary. Like if you're trying to publish a book and your publish date is June first and you got to make that deadline, yeah, okay, you got to work to a schedule and you're that's a good time to have goals when you have a reason to be on schedule to achieve a certain milestone, that's a good time. That's when you have goals. When you're looking at like a life you want to create or things you want to do in your life, I love the word vision as an alternative. And because visions, first of all, are visual. That's the same root word. You know, it's um, something that you can picture and a picture's worth a thousand words and it's definitely worth a thousand numbers. Um, to have this painted picture of what you're looking for. So instead of saying like, I'm going to be a successful entrepreneur, that means I'm going to be making six figures within one year. Like paint the picture of what that looks like, because there's so much more to it than the numbers, things that can't be quantified. Like I want to feel good about taking the day off and taking my kids to the children's museum. I want to feel good about, working all weekend so that I can, you know, I want time flexibility. You can't put a number around that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I love the idea of having a vision. And I think that's to get back to your question. One reason that people, some people achieve it. Some people make it halfway is that you need to have, first of all, you need to have clarity of vision out of the gate, but then as a society, we don't allow enough for flexibility in the vision, which is another reason why I like vision as opposed to goals. Cause goals are very like rigid things and visions are flexible. Like visions can change. They evolve, they morph into something new. And so, you know, just like anything, you can't judge a person by their achievement or lack of achievement of their own vision, because you don't know when their vision has changed you know, there might be people who judge me. I said from the time I was 12, I was going to be an astronaut. I worked in Houston. I worked on crew systems and I made the choice. I said, this is not what I want for the next phase of my life. I'd rather, I think I have something else to offer this world. I think I have a different legacy to leave. And I made that choice. I firmly believe that if I had applied I'd eventually get in. I don't know if I'd have, you know, on the first round, you often, you, you very rarely get in on the first round of an astronaut application. It might take a few, but like, I still firmly believe that. But like, are there people out there who are saying, Oh, there goes Amy. She <laughs> had the goal of being an astronaut and she only got halfway there. And like, yeah, I guess that's true. I only got halfway there. <laughs> you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go, but like I changed and it, it was a choice. It was a personal choice to say, this isn't what I want. And it was horrifically scary for me to step off because the goal, rem I went, remember I said, I went through this identity crisis. The goal had been my identity from the time I was 12. Like I had built my entire adult identity around this goal, around this life path. I was taking scuba lessons. Why? Because I was gonna be an astronaut. I went to live in Houston. Why? Because I was gonna be an astronaut. Like it was, 
it was part of the fiber of who I felt I was. Yeah, and the personal level and then the professional level, like it was all around. Exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, like, it wasn't an easy choice to make. Like, I didn't, it wasn't a cop out. It wasn't a like, oh, like, I guess I'm not really as good as I thought I was. And so I'm, since I'm afraid of rejection, I'm not going to apply. Like, I mean, maybe some, maybe there are people out there think that's what happened and that's cool. It, but that's not what happened. And so that's why I want to be really careful about saying like, why don't, why can some people not stay on track to achieve their goals? Like, it's like, okay, we got to be careful about saying, I want to be careful about judging that if they're really like, maybe their vision is just evolving. I do like to see people be intentional about what their vision is for their life. And like, even if their vision is like, Hey, I just really want to, um, have a, a period right now where I'm feeling things out. I'm taking it easy. I'm not committing to anything right now. That's a vision. Um, what I, I think what I can't stand is when people say like, Oh, well, there's nothing I can do about that. A lack yeah. of, a lack of agency. Like if someone is exploring or not sure what they want next in their life, that's awesome. As long as they're owning that. They're owning that exploration and they're owning that downtime and saying like, yeah, this is really what I want in my life right now. But if they're in the, a period of downtime in their life and they're like, oh, I'm so bored and I can't, I wish I could travel, but I can't. Or I wish I could start a business, but I can't. Like that drives me up a wall. Did I have, did I even answer the question? Yeah, no, 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 you did, you did. I think, I think you're right. I think sometimes, um, And, I, and I, I agree with what you were saying about different layers to it, because it could be that your vision was to do this, but halfway in, you realize that this wasn't what you really wanted to do. Because we like now being entrepreneurs, the cool thing. Like, I feel like maybe 10, 15 years ago, it, it was like, well, you're just not employed. But now you say you're an, an entrepreneur and it's like the cool thing to do. So a lot of people like put that in the pedestal and then they start doing it. They realize that it's really hard work that you... Yeah, you work for yourself, but that means they're going to work nights and weekends and, you know, some things, sometimes things are going to happen. So you're going to have to roll with the punches with that and have to kind of work more. And then people get a little frustrated with that. So they kind of stop halfway and realize maybe what I wanted to do was this other thing. And I was just confusing the two options that I had on, on, on the table for myself. So it yeah. makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing wrong with trying things out. I am a huge fan of experimentation and there's nothing wrong with wanting to try things out and then deciding, no, it wasn't for me. And there's no judgment about that. There's no judgment about, oh, well, you didn't achieve this accomplishment that you were supposed to achieve. I mean, my, I'm trying to teach my kids this too. Like my daughter just dropped gymnastics which is an incredibly like driven goal oriented sport. Yes. And, um, you know, she was in the top levels. I mean, she, for her age group, um, she was in the top, um, super hyper competitive, like Olympic tracked gymnastics program. And, you know, she kept saying things like, you know, if she had, if she wanted to be, an Olympic athlete someday, or if she wanted to pursue that path, like that'd be one thing. But she kept walking around the house going, can I join a soccer team? I think I might like to try basketball, 
but I really want to try rock climbing. And the answer every time was like, well, you know, you're committed right now to doing gymnastics. And, you know, some the the coaches, when we left, they tried, definitely tried to do like the guilt trip thing because they were trying to get her to stay. And they were like, you're sacrificing her opportunity. Like she could, she has such an opportunity in front of you and you're just throwing it away. Like she, like you as parents, like she's looking me in the eye and saying, you as parents are sacrificing this opportunity for her. Oh man. I was like on the verge of tears. (laughs) I was like ready to be like, okay, never mind. Like she can come back. And my husband, God bless him was like, yeah, you know, everything has an opportunity cost. You know, pursuing gymnastics means that she loses out on the opportunity to do something else. And like, it seems like right now in her life, just by listening to what she's saying, she's seven, by the way, she just turned seven last week. Um, So we're not talking about like a teenager who's making these huge decisions. This is a a seven-year-old. And, but where she's at right now is like, she wants to explore and like, you know, I, me, the, my, I can feel my old goal achievement, brute force method self, like getting all riled up inside me. And it's like, you know, she should have like stayed committed and like, you should tell her to stay on this path because she could achieve greatness. And it's like, well, she can achieve greatness, but like at what cost, at what cost would she be achieving greatness at the age of seven, you know, and is it worth it? And what does she want? And there's no control for life. Like, there's no way to say like, oh, well, she would have been an Olympic athlete. There's no way to, there's no control for life. There's no way to say that if I had applied four times, would I be an astronaut or not? You know? And maybe her heart's not in it anymore because she wants to try something else because well, that's, that's she sees maybe other thing. friends doing things. Yeah. And, and that that's the age also to start trying things like like maybe if she had done this from seven to 15 and then she wants to stop. Maybe then it's like, okay, are you sure about this? She can always go back. But at 15, I feel like that's like the age. I feel like when you go to like the Olympics and one, that's usually very young girls in like high school at some point. So, but at that young age, if she ever wants to go back, I feel like she could not Person. sure. I'm not, I'm not talk. I don't know, but you know, I'm just guessing, but I assume that she could go back. So personally, so I'm going to jump on something you said there. You said, I think that's the age when it's good to be exploring. And personally, I, I believe that any age is a fine age to be exploring. Like you need to reinvent yourself when you're 25. Like you, you just graduated with your degree and you want to try something completely different. Try it. Like, you know, you are like, I was, (laughs) I was. 32 years old with two, two babies. And I hadn't had my third baby yet. My third baby was my entrepreneurship baby. And like, you know, you're coming off of like postpartum and like still like all the waking up in the middle of the night and you want to make a change, make a change. Like you have the power to do the experiment any time. Is it always going to have the same level of challenge? No, probably not. Sometimes it's going to be more challenging than others. Is it always going to, it's certainly not always going to look the same. And yes, there are certain like fundamentals, like making sure that you are taken care of and you have your needs met, you know, that's certainly part of the equation. But once that is happening, like, I think we as a culture have this like general fear of experimentation, yeah. And I, and I actually was raised in it like for, 
for a good chunk of my life, that's how my parents thought. They were this one track. Mind. Even when I was in college and I was changing majors all the time, it was like, well, you're never going to finish. I'm like, well, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. I don't think there's anything bad with this. It's not like I've stopped in this search. I've always had this kind of creative kind of like, I don't know, kind of dreamer thing. So I've always trying to think like, is this what I want to do now? Maybe, and, and, and we have seasons, right? You might like that now and then, in five years, change your mind. And so I, we had, we would not go at it, but I think growing up, you could see that th there was a very, very much a, a difference in opinion when it came to that. I did have one more question. I know that you're, from, from the reading that I did, I know that you're also an author and you wrote a book called Spiral. And um, I wanted to learn a little bit more about it and kind of what inspired you to write it. So... It's really about what we were talking about before, where, you know, I had been, I had done engineering development and been trained in engineering product development and then helping people build their businesses. I saw these like great parallels and I can, t I'll t talk about that specifically in a second, these great parallels between engineering design development and business development. And then also simultaneously kind of working through my own personal development process and saying, wow, like this is all, it's all the same. It's all in parallel. That's one of my gifts. That's one of my skills is I see these cross domain parallels, how everything is the same and how we can, can apply knowledge and lessons across domains and be more effective if we can use these lessons across domains. And once I started walking clients through this process using kind of using engineering process to develop businesses and then simultaneously kind of come into their own, I was like, I, th I, I think this is the book. Like it, this really makes a lot of sense. Like this is, this is the thing, Gary V that I want to talk about for the rest of my life. Um, this is the thing that I could really, it's, it's a coming together of everything that I've learned. And I knew that it wasn't time yet. Like when I first had the idea that said, this is the book, it wasn't time yet. And like all of a sudden, just, I guess a couple years ago now, it was just, okay, now, now's the time, like write the book, like put the ideas in on paper and, and release it. And I still you know, I still don't know where it's going, where the concept is going. So let's tell you, let me tell you the concept and you'll dig this because as a software engineer, of course, you know, all this stuff, but like <laughs> in engineering, you know, coming from aerospace is a really interesting discipline in engineering because, you know, it is kind of this intersection of mechanical, electrical, and software that like, we, you know, we kind of got to know a little bit about everything. Um, but if you take it back to like the olden days, like when, the Apollo program, um, the goal was set to go to the moon and then they went out and built it. And the government, NASA, you know, Congress threw a huge budget at NASA and just was like, it was basically a blank check. Like we're going to beat the Russians to the moon. And so whatever, whatever it takes. And so they took a very linear approach to that. They basically like, it was, you know, it was the brute force. This is so, oh my gosh, it's so parallel. I actually hadn't thought of this uh, prior to this interview, actually, that um, during the Apollo program, they would say failure is not an option. 
And I, I just said that earlier in this interview about my own personal development, right? So they, they took a brute force approach to engineering design. Like we're just going to like build the Saturn V and then go to the moon. Like build it, test it, launch it. Three steps and we're done. And it was a brute force approach, which is extremely expensive dollars wise. And it also, there was loss of life. I mean, the Apollo one fire was because of a rush job, you know, and red flags were raised, but we don't have time to investigate red flags and three astronauts died. Now in business development or personal development, it's rare that loss of life is a catastrophic effect, but there can be equally catastrophic, you know, their own flavor of catastrophic effects that happen when you have this like brute force linear mindset. We were talking about some of them earlier with personal development that like, you know, a loss of sleep, you know, emotional stress, like just, and then this, the, the toll that that stress takes on your body over long periods of time like those are consequences when you're developing a business, you know, we've all seen, if, if you're in entre entrepreneurship for any length of time, you have with, within the first 30 seconds of saying you want to be an entrepreneur, you've seen someone who's running a course that says you too can be making six figures in the next 90 days. <laughs> if you just follow my six step system and there is no six step system like that six step system was something that worked for one guy one time, you know, and like maybe like the steps are probably decent and they probably will help you if they work with your personality and your clientele and all this other all of these other like variables. But to I see entrepreneurs all the time and I saw this, it, I see this as part of my coaching that like people follow those six steps expecting to have these extremely amazing results and then feel disappointed and are like, and then, and then the catastrophic failure is that, you know, it's that question of the dip. Like, am I really cut out for this? Like, is this really what I'm doing now? You know, I'm, I'm never going to make it if this is what's going to happen. If I put all of my time, I put all of my time and energy into this six step process that was supposed to be right and I did it exactly the way they said it, and it was not successful. So what the heck? You know, that's catastrophe when you're starting a business. And so that that linear method of thinking of, like, I'm just going to, like, bulldoze through every barrier in front of me, come hell or high water, no matter the consequences, no matter who gets hurt in the process, whether that's me or somebody else, like, that's an old way of thinking. Now, in engineering, what happened as you know, as a software engineer, is that um, when we came into the 80s and computer technology started to develop, the development cycles got a lot shorter. And so because the time to market was getting shorter, they said, hey, we can't do this. Like we can't go through these like extremely expensive and long lead time linear processes only to get to the end and realize we didn't build the right thing. We didn't build the right computer hardware. We didn't have the right architecture. We don't have the right piece of software. We have to get it out faster, even if it's imperfect, so that we can A, test it in real life, and B, make start to make money. And so 
concepts and whether you call it iterative development, you can call it spiral development, you can call it, you know, it's a, it's a foundational, the agile, like it goes by many different names of saying like, okay, instead of assuming we're going to do the design process once of gathering requirements, doing the design, validating and testing, and then releasing and, and expecting that that's going to happen one time, we're going to expect, anticipate, and even force it to go around again with a little period of reevaluation in between there that says, okay, how did that go? Let's assess the data. Let's take a step back and look at it. Okay, knowing what we know now, how do we move forward next? And so engineers started to allow the process of design and development to be iterative. And it continues to this day. Now we still have a significant amount of times when we expect things to be linear and those processes are still long time intensive and expensive. Yep. Um, but when I got into like, especially entrepreneurship where you're dealing with like a solopreneur, one person on their own, or a very small team of two or three people, because you're so like individual, it's so based on you and what you need as well as, because there's no team to sustain momentum. Like it's exactly. based on your own energy that like the iterative approach makes so much more sense than a linear approach and like allowing yourself again, and it ties back into what we've already talked about, allowing yourself to be experimental, allowing yourself to be like, I don't know all the steps to get to point from point A to point B, but I can start with something small. I can start with one product and I can build it and test it. I can do a beta. I can do a prototype and then I, even if it, you know, and I say beta prototype, if it's a product, but also if it's a service, you know, if you're a consultant and you're, you're like, I don't know exactly who I'm talking to, who my market is, what they want to hear. But if I can get one or two people to listen and I can test out what I do with them, then I can learn from that. And then next time, maybe I'll have four or five clients and I can, and I can expand that. And now I know a lot better how to talk to my target market. And now I'm off and running. You know, if I allow myself to just start small, I had, I had a business coaching client who um, got all, she was all in a, in a flutter because she was like, I'm going to need to build a spreadsheet and I need to have this tracking thing. Cause, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what are you tracking? And she's like, well, cause when I have a hundred clients, I'm going to need to know where each of them are in my process. And I'm like, you don't have a hundred clients. You, you actually don't have one client yet. So, so how about you focus on getting one client and like serve them really, really well. And then like, and then once you have, once you find that you need a tracking system, then you can worry about the tracking system. You know, it's stuff like that. We want to build the ultimate solution right up front. Yeah. And that's that I find that that's common in tech like, I think that even though, even though I say, talk this really good game that like, oh yeah, now in tech, we use an iterative process. We, we do get caught up in the, in tech, in wanting to build the be all end all solution right up front, you know, and you've got investors that need to be paid and you've got, you know, press releases that you want to send out. And so it's easy to get caught up in wanting that be all end all solution right up front instead of saying, okay, we're going to build something small and go from there and figure it out along the way. And I find, yeah, I find the same thing is true. So, so that was the process that I, that I took 
my business consulting clients through was like, let's do this like a design exercise and let it let us anticipate that it will be iterative. We're going to start with the first step. What do you know right now? What is the first thing you want to do? And we're going to go through these steps of, and I call them in the book, spiral inspiration, which is like allowing the idea flow, um, allowing the brainstorming, being really divergent in your thinking so that like you can really kind of decide what excites you the most, have the crazy ideas and be really innovative. And then the second phase of this, and so that, that inspiration phase of the spiral like maps onto that, you know, initial like requirements development phase in engineering. But then in personal development, like inspiration is also a huge piece because, you know, you're trying to, when you're trying to set that vision for your life, you know, this is the dreaming part. Well, the second phase of the spiral then is implementation. So now you're talking about the how, like in inspiration, it was all about the what, what could be possible here. And in implementation, now you, you converged onto like, this is the solution that we're going to go for in this spiral. And how are we going to make that happen? And so in tech, you might now build a prototype or you might build a model or something like that. And in business, it's the same. Like, what are you going to start out with? Maybe it's, a very, very small version of the final solution. Maybe you're only working with one person instead of 100. That's implementation. And you you figure out what you need to effectively deliver what you said in business. In your personal life, implementation is like, is making the plan. Like, you know, I said, I got inspired. I want to start a running practice. I want to start a running regimen. Like, how am I going to do that? This implementation is the part where you make a plan. You put it on your calendar. You clear your schedule. It's the how. How do I go about committing to running? Okay. So then the third phase of the spiral is investigation, which is where you really get out there and test things. And this is something I think we all fall prey to is, um, you know, there's lots of books that are written about shipping before you're ready. That's another Seth Godin you know, and that like a lot of people then have trouble pushing the publish button or the ship button or the whatever button in your brain is the yes, it's ready button. (laughs) You know, I'm actually, this is in your, so in the running example, personal development, it's where you strap on your shoes and you actually hit the pavement. Like there's something about getting over the hump of going outside and doing it, you know? And um, in engineering, it's where we, we test it. Um, we test whatever tech it is and run it through its paces in business. This is where you put it out in front of people. And it's really scary because you feel really vulnerable. Like you're in front of a real person who has real expectations, who has real needs. Are you going to help them or not? And so, you know, this is the first opportunity to see how effective your proposed solution is going to be. And it is scary, which is why I think a lot a lot of people get gummed up in that spot. Or a lot of people are like, oh, no, let's go back to inspiration already. I don't need to put it out in front of people yet. Let's go back to inspiration. But you're short-circuiting the spiral. Like, you have to go through this, like, testing phase, this putting it out there phase, this getting feedback phase to really move through these cycles. And then the, la- the final phase of the spiral is, I call it introspection. Um, in engineering, we might call it evaluation. And yeah. this is where you take us, there are two pieces, there are two pieces in introspection. And I, 
is that the first piece is it's rest. Like we cannot be active all the time, we'll burn out. And that is as true for an engineering team as it is for a business owner, as it is for just a human going about their everyday lives. Like humans need to rest. I also, I draw parallels between the phases of the spiral and um, the seasons of the earth. Like introspection is like winter time. Like fields are laying fallow. Everyone wants to crawl in a cave and drink hot chocolate. Like. You need that rest time. And then the second part of it, uh, introspection is, is asking the question of, is evaluating, how did it go? You know, am I still on track? Is this still the thing I wanted to do? Did it make me happy or sad to, you know, to put this out in front of people? Am I stoked to go do the next spiral? And, um, and then you go around again, you say, okay, what am I going to do next? Let's get inspired about that. So those are the four phases. That's what the spiral is. I just looked at the time. I know I'm going pretty long, but like that's that's the message is it, it's about seeing the parallels that good design is good design. Whether you're designing technology, you're designing a business, you're designing a life you love, you can use the principles all across the board. No, I love it. I love that process. And I know that you had mentioned something about running and um, it's just something came to my mind when you said that I have I have a friend who loves to run, competes in like five Ks and I don't know how many Ks and runs for miles. And, um, and I'm like, how do you like, I hate running. How do you get into the mood to run? And I'm like, do you feel like running all the time? And she's like, no, I don't feel like running all the time. And when I don't feel like running in my head, I'm just, I'm just going to put my shoes on. And she's like, I must just be in my house with my shoes on for like 50 minutes. And then I get excited and then I go out to run. I'm like, that's a really good way of seeing things sometimes when you don't, I guess you don't feel like it that day. And she's like, that's my only goal. It's just putting on my shoes. And then eventually seeing myself with the shoes, I get excited and do it. And I just wanted to add that because it, it gave me that um, I thought of that story as you were giving the example of like running, just putting on your suits and hitting the pavement, just doing that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that can be enough. You know, you don't have to go run a marathon your first day. Yep, exactly. No, I agree 100%. Um, I like to wrap up the, the episodes just asking the guest if they have maybe one book that they read that really made a difference in their lives that they would like to recommend to the listeners. And if you don't, uh, no pressure, because I know some guests are like, I don't read. And I'm like, it's fine if you don't. I like to ask, some, can some people give me like 10 books? And some people are like, I don't really have a book, but I saw a movie or an experience or whatever it is. It's not, no pressure. No, I'm a reader. And I, the, the, only, the question is, which book? Um, I will tell you that the, it's a little bit old now, but the book that really got me spin, spun up on entrepreneurship was Seth Godin's Icarus Deception. Um, that was, that was the one that was like, there's a whole other world out there that I don't even, I haven't even thought about. And that was really powerful for me in getting the mindset shift, um, to, to do this. So there you go. How about that one? Yeah, no, that's great. I love him. I, even though I've just read the dip and Kasuma recommended it while I was doing, I don't even remember what I was doing, some sort of side hustle and I was just reading it, um, But I, I know he's great. Everyone just has great things to say about him. So um, great person to to kind of keep as a, as a role model, as a mentor. Definitely. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. I think this has been a great conversation, great content that we discussed today. Um, and I really appreciate it. It has been really fun. And thank you for having me on the show. 
And that is a wrap for episode 14. If you're looking to work towards some goals for the rest of the year or better yet, the half of the year, because right now we're in half of the year, this is a great episode for you to share and talk to others and see those things that Amy shared. You can apply them to your lifestyle and achieve whatever you want to do. One last reminder is that if you would like to know what guests are coming in the pipeline, you can go to patreon.com slash turning point podcast, contribute to the podcast, and you will get exclusive access to those guests coming in the pipeline. You can ask your questions and also get a shout out in the podcast. But for now, peace out and see you next time. <laughs>